Wake up, NHL fans. It is Wednesday. This is Morning Cup of Hockey alongside Colby Cohen. I'm Johnny Lazarus. We had a great show <laughs> for you today with our good friend and guest coming on the show, John Bucigras. We're going to talk about the NHL's Rookie of the Year race, which seems to be coming down to maybe one or two players. We'll also talk about uh, the games last night and maybe some other things in the mix. But there was a lot of hockey last night that we should get into right away, Colby. Anything that caught your eye uh, right away off the bat last night? There were some good games last night. Um, some heavyweight matchups for sure. When you look at that Canucks avalanche game and you look at um, that Dallas Rangers game, those were, those were definitely fast paced, big boy hockey games, teams that, you know, we expect to see potentially make some deep runs into um into the playoffs this year. So I like that about this time of year, we start to really find out who's a pretender and who's legit. And when you see those teams match up, especially those big East West games, like we did uh, with the Dallas, New York Ranger game last night, which listen, it could end up being a Stanley cup preview type of game. Um, but man, Igor Shesterkin was, was unbelievable, but let's, let's save a little bit of that um, because our, our, our guest has arrived I know we've tried this before. We're excited to welcome in my main man, John Butchergrass. We got him up nice and early this morning. Oh, losing the camera. My What's bad. going on? What's up, Butchie? Feeling good. Feeling good, Colby. What's up, last? Where you at right now? I'm in Plymouth, Massachusetts, where the Pilgrims landed. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, just uh, good to be with you guys. Heading to ESPN tomorrow. I think we have a couple. We have an ESPN game and an ESPN Plus game. And um, so uh, I'll be head and back to Bristol tomorrow. Well, we're uh, we're pumped to get you on the show here. And we, we've got kind of a lineup of questions for you, Butchie, uh, about different topics trending throughout the NHL. But um, one place that I want to start, and we, we do this on our show quite often, and we, we take a look at our friend Johnny Laz's timeline on Twitter. <laughs> um, and, and, we, and we like to look at his tweets. And Vic... I would love for you to tee up Johnny's tweet from last night because I just want to get Butchie's reaction to this. <laughs> and I'll read it to anybody who is listening at, in an audio-only form. And our man Johnny said last night, um, after falling in love with Alexis Lafreniere all <laughs> over again for the 100th time this year, I'm convinced that Alexis Lafreniere will have a 100-point season in his NHL career. Now, the reason I wanted to ask you about this, Butchie, is because you are one of the people that makes predictions years in, in, in you know, <laughs> you're, you're you'll make a prediction that will come true in five years. I've seen you do that numerous times, um, you know, with the NHL. What do you think of this take by our, our man, Johnny Lazarus? Well, it's heavily flawed. It's not well thought out. <laughs> um, to, nice. <laughs> to be a 100-point player, you have to either be an elite goal scorer or an elite playmaker. You know, Matthew Kachuk became a 100-point scorer because he's now a 65 to 70 assist guy, right? And so, because he's not going to be a consistent 50-goal scorer, Kachuk doesn't have the, the skating or the, or the shot uh, or the speed to do that. But now he's become this elite playmaker. I think he's right there with every offensive playmaker in the NHL, whether it's Crosby, whether it's, you know, we, we – throw these guys off first, but Matthew Kachuk is right there with them. The way he produces plays, completes pass and makes passes. And, and obviously Lafreniere is neither an elite goal scorer or an elite playmaker. Yes. Yes. So so if he can land in 60 
to, if he can land in 70 point land, that would be, I think just about the ceiling. And his, his career high is what? 39 points. He's like a 30, you know, may, at best a 30, a 30, 30 guy, right? That's you know, like a, to use a baseball term. He's, that's, Which, I think in some years they might go in and some years he might have a line mate that they all go in and he might have a career year and you might get 75 to 80, but yeah. Which is valuable. Yeah. Which and it's pot, you know, he, and he might have a point per game year, one year in, in the league. It could happen, but I don't quite see it yet. Like you said, but John, Hey, sometimes I sense that Johnny believes. Well, listen, I, I this actually kind of steers me into my first question, but Alessi Lafreniere is only 22 years old. He's still very young. He hasn't gotten any consistent first power play time. And Kobe's going to give me shit because we were talking about it before. And I said, yeah, I don't know who I'd take off on the first unit. And he goes, well, that means he's not good enough to be on it. Uh, (laughs) I still disagree with that. I just can't form the sentence to beat Kobe with it. He's really good with words. Um, Kind of important job you're in. Kind of important. Okay. (laughs) But what I wanted to get into, and it's interesting because I've had this conversation with a lot of people and I haven't really talked about it with either of you yet. But Bucci, I'm curious on your thoughts on pushing the draft age back to 19. Because you look at some NHL players right now, they step in at 18 years old and most aren't ready. And then you look at the college game, the the CHL game, and yes, players dominate. But if you bring kids to an extra year of development in those leagues, it makes those two leagues better, which will essentially make the NHL better because the younger kids are then progressing for that extra year that when they step into the NHL, they're a little bit more developed. And then you have a player, you know, maybe like a, let's say a Jack Hughes who would have went to college for a year and it makes college more exciting. So I'm curious to get your thought of pushing the draft age, maybe back one year, like we see in football and basketball. Um, I would rather have the player and the team make the smart decision. You know, Jack Hughes should have played college. He didn't, but he could have. Uh, you know, I think looking back, he should have went to Michigan like his brothers did, um, but he chose not to. Uh, some 18-year-olds are ready. Sidney Crosby, you know, began his NHL career um, in an awesome way as an 18-year-old, just turned 18 a couple months before, being an August birthday. So, uh, yeah, I just really like to have the player and have that option, the team have that option, and just hopefully they're smart about it. And they're not always smart about it, like you said. But um, yeah, I'm, I just I don't like having those kinds of restrictions. There, there's different cases, and I just hope they make the right one when it comes up. They don't they don't always, but I'd rather see them do that because very like you said, very few do it, and um, and they should and very few should do it. But there's a time where a team and a player might want to do that. Oh, I'm curious in your thoughts on it too. Yeah, you know, Johnny, I, I don't think it's a terrible, terrible thought, but I tend to side with Butchie on the fact that I'm more of a free market type of guy. Let people make decisions for themselves. Um, I don't think it's our job to police anything and everything. And I, I like the fact that, you know, players have different alleyways and different options. And these are all things you have to weigh when deciding do I want to go college, major, junior? Am I ready? You know, can I be in an American leaguer? Um, I do think. Ultimately, something that has to happen is the the NHL and the CHL and the NCAA need to get get out of table and and figure some shit out. I, I do think that that's something that needs to happen, and I think part of that has to happen because you see these kids who aren't 
old and are they're they're not able to go play in the American League from juniors, but they can play in the American League from college. And it just there's a lot of discrepancies. And and I think you're forcing people at such a young age to pick a path that you know you're not necessarily ready to pick. But um, again, I, I don't think it's the worst question you ever asked, Johnny. So I, I won't get all <laughs> over you for it. But well, but I am a free market. Too, I, I'm a free market type of guy with most most of the way that I look at things. But I also think that you know the popularity of college football and college basketball. A lot of it is also because these stars are you know they're, they're playing a year of college or you know I know we have the OHL, CHL, WHL, all that mixed in here too. But I kind of want to focus on college uh, as well. Like a lot of the fans know who these players are leading into the draft. Where I feel like sometimes in the NHL. Players are getting drafted and they hadn't played in college. They haven't really been on that bigger platform. So fans aren't really, uh, you know, as recognized with them, if that makes sense. Like, I think that's so big too. And we've noticed it with Connor Bedard this year. There's been so much hype around this NHL season because there was so much attention toward Connor Bedard, where maybe, you know, that extra year, there's more media attention on these kids. If they do go to college for one year, it just makes the game a little bit more popular. That's kind of the, the angle I was thinking as well. Yeah, well, college basketball has that problem. That that seems to be a sport that's that's um you know, they don't have that. Like you said, I can't name two college basketball players right now on the men's side. I can name more women than I can men because again, Me a lot too. of these guys, yeah, it's just and, and that's bad for the sport, right? That's just that's not good for for college basketball. But I think Lafreniere's issue too is more he was a, <laughs> he he was the COVID draft pick, and all yeah. those kids obviously were penalized by the decisions, you know, by the, um, you know, the, the decisions were made for people about COVID. They were hurt more than anybody, especially kids in college. And he was one of those kids that their development was, was all stunted, whether it's certainly we've seen the data for schools and kids who, who couldn't go to school, but also those athletes, especially professional high level athletes who were drafted or during the COVID time um, that, that really hurt them a lot. Their development was probably stunted. Who knows? Maybe stunted for life. Maybe, but, or like you said, Johnny, maybe it'll be delayed a bit. And maybe we haven't seen the best out of them yet because they didn't have that same development path that most had at that most at a very important age. So we'll give him a little bit of break there and we'll see if, if, if he can maybe, you know, turn into a Chris Kreider over time, right? Like when he's 28 years old, he figure out, okay, if I go here more often, if I, if I do this more often, then maybe he can have a slow peak and have a couple yeah. years, like you said, where he could be maybe a 35, you know, 45 guy, but a hundred, man, that is, Hundred points, a lot, a lot of yeah. points. That takes that takes a special player to get there. And hey, but I like your belief. Don't my takes me. aren't normally good, Bucci. So <laughs> no, no, you, you got to stand by your beliefs. You got to stand by Always. your takes. That's more important than being right. You got to believe it, Bucci. I, I I think this this conversation has gone in a way where I want to ask you this question, something we've already talked about, and it's been a little bit of a hot button topic lately. But where do you stand as a guy who has you know, been one of the face of college hockey with Barry Melrose now for so long. Um, you know, what do you think about this whole NCAA CHL thing? Do you think players should be able to play a couple years in the CHL and then as an 18 year old go play at a division one university? How do you feel about that conversation? I mean, it seems like a reasonable thing to me. Um, well, some people try to take advantage of it. Yeah. It happens at all walks of life or someone's going to take advantage of it. And, and, um, and not ruin it, but you know what I mean? And so, but it seems like it's not, some things in life are just not that hard to try to figure out. And again, especially when you're dealing with young people and in the same, in the same 
side, we have to have standards. We have to have, um, you know, rules and we have to have some organization. It can't be a free for all. We do have to take into consideration other things like the economy and jobs and things like that. But for the most part, all the, this is a, this is a small issue. It's a small amount of elite hockey players. It's a small amount of junior teams in the, in the grand scheme. And so we should be able to figure out what's best for the kid. And if a kid wants to change his mind, change course, and go get a degree, get a scholarship in America, get that degree, realize, ah, I guess that was the, that's probably the better decision. I think that seems like a pretty reasonable thing. And yeah. it should be, it shouldn't be hard to figure out. I, I'm with you on it. I, I think it's completely reasonable and calling these guys saying they're not amateurs because they make a couple hundred bucks a month when players are getting thousands and thousands of dollars in costs of attendance and Alston money doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, no. The chat right now on YouTube is super active, um, mm-hmm. and so I wanna I wanna get to a couple people. Uh, Dave Singer, our guy Singzy, who who's well known for for being a, a celebrity in in these walks of life, Butchie, he wants to know: um, Do you think that uh, Nemich is the best player from his draft after what we've seen from him over the past, you know, the the recent stretch in Jersey? I think it's arguable that if they redrafted, he might go one. You know. Uh, He's, I just love every part of his game. Um, being right handed, he's got a huge amount of compete. He's kind of a, he's uh, at times, he's kind of a, you know, he's, he's an angry guy. I like guys who play angry. Um, elite passer, just playmaking, hockey sense, all the hockey. We don't hear the word hockey sense anymore, but we grew up with it. And it's just those guys who just know what's going around them better than everybody else. And he's one of those guys. And being, again, right handed power play quarterback. So I think if I had to redraft that year, as of right now, I would probably take him one. You know, uh, Cooley's right there. I'm just worried about Cooley's size in the playoffs. That's my only little concern for him. Um, not a big deal, but uh, he's electric at times and still really young. I wish he'd gone back to college just for a few more months. And I, and that's always I always say, you know, you're not going back to college for another year. You're going back for five months, and then you yeah. then you turn then you turn pro in March, like Kel McCarr did. And so, and then that's how, as an agent and a hockey and, a, and an NCAA coach, I would frame it to them: We want you not to come back for another year. We want you to come back for five months, and uh, after the summer, come back here and then go turn pro next March. But yeah, I, I do love him that much. Nice. I mean, New Jersey, New Jersey needs him to step up too if they're going to make a push here because it's been a, a crazy emotional year for the Devils. Just so below expectation. I mean, what are your yeah. thoughts on the Devils this year? It's it, it actually sucks for the area because it's way more fun around here when the Devils are good. Yeah, last well, I mean, night so, was a disappointing loss too. Yeah. I mean, that was a really bad loss last night. No, for for sure. I mean, the league is so tight. You never know. They could win eight games in a row starting with their next game. Like that can happen. The league is so tight with the with the salary cap not moving for for three four years. It's more even than it's ever been. So you're gonna have these situations where a team looks like they suck and they're not trying, and then they turn around and win eight in a row. It's really interesting. But yeah, they got nailed with injuries. You know, they haven't figured out the goalie. Goalie's tough. You know, Edmonton went through it after they signed Campbell and then they imploded. Now Skinner's playing out of his mind. And so, you know, even Shesterkin hasn't been good, but thankfully they had Jonathan Quick. What if they didn't have Jonathan Quick? Uh, where would the Rangers maybe be? So uh, goalie is, it's like middle relief in baseball. You never know when it's going to be good from year to year. Suddenly your team has a great middle relief core and then some years they don't. Um, so yeah, but the Devils with all those injuries, um, but now they got to figure it out and, uh, and and somehow try to figure it out. But if, yeah, it could be one of those lost years and you come back next year, but um, I wouldn't count anybody out yet because like I said, it's so even and anybody's a step away from a long win streak that gets them right back up. 
the the minute Johnny gave Nico Dawes the the vote of approval or the stamp of approval, he goes so out well. lays an actual egg last night. He, he had like a 750 save percentage last night in that game. And look, what you're talking about, Butchie, is exactly why Don Sweeney should just hang up the phone if people call about Linus Olmark because yeah. you've got the best thing going for your team is those that position. And mm-hmm. it's the one position that everyone else in the league, for the most part, other than what, seven or eight teams, is is coveting and dying for. So that's why I just think it 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 makes the Olmark Swayman tandem just so much more valuable and something that they should do everything and anything to keep intact as long as they possibly can. Agree. Yeah. If you're a serious cup contender, you really need to have two goalies. Otherwise, you're one injury away. Uh, you're one cold goalie away. And yeah, to have that, what a luxury. It's, you know, obviously it's been the best tandem um, for that team who, you know, let's face it, you know, outside of Pasternak, there's, you know, Marshan still is a really good player. He's not quite where he was. He's dipped a hair. But um, it's amazing how those two team, those two guys keep it together. I mean, obviously, McAvoy, in my mind, is just so much better than their average hockey fan thinks. He's so just good. His one-on-one defense, what he's producing this year offensively, he's taken a step up. He's there with McCarr and Fox yeah. and all. I, he was his in my vision. top three Norris last year. Unbelievable. He, so, he, he makes so many plays through the neutral zone that if he might end up with the third assist on, but mm-hmm. these are plays where he brings and calls so much attention to himself that by the time he moves the puck to you name the forward, they're in such a good position to attack the offensive blue line. And it just makes all the world of a difference um, for a hockey team and the flow of that they're w- ready to play and can play at when you have a 25, 27 minute a night, you know, mm-hmm. thoroughbred back there who not to mention, will run you over in the process. Yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> he, to me, he's one of the players in the NHL that's worth going and buying a ticket. And what, like, my money is good to go watch that guy play hockey. He's he's that talented. Yeah, he's I unique. said he's unique for sure. I said a couple of shows ago, if I'm starting the playoffs tomorrow after Kale McCarr, the next defenseman in the NHL I want on my team is Charlie McAvoy. I, yeah, I said that a couple weeks ago. Yeah the, yeah, the data on his breakout ability this year is unbelievable. The ability to start a breakout. Uh, Kobe mentioned the physical aspect. He's now starting to fight. I always couldn't understand why he didn't score more, to have more of a hunger to score. All, and he's like an extra center as a defenseman when he gets in the zone as well. Just his beautiful vision. In fact, I've talked about it. I tweeted. I would I would put him as a forward on the power play a lot of times. I think when Lindholm was going as a – as a now Lindholm's been very average now offensively. Yeah. And brutal. Um, but when he was going as a power play guy, you could have him out there and have Charlie be actually be a forward, especially. Yeah. Um, but we know we go four one now with forwards, and since that, that's why we've had this historical climb with the power play percentage. As you know, remember when teams, when the first few teams went four forwards and one D, and it was a kind of a topic. You sacrifice defense, and then as people realize that's the way, it's so so funny to yeah. see those things with coaching. How it takes time, and now everybody does it, and that's why we have these incredible power play percentages now. Like the other night, I had a the Red Wing Seattle game in Seattle on Monday. In Seattle, has a twenty percent power play, twenty one percent power play that's like top three eight nine ten years ago now they're 17th so yeah. it's still a good power play one out of five is good um but yeah that, that shows where we've gone but yeah mcavoy does it all and he's to me he's a top three nhl defenseman all around it, it, it's kind of like how everybody goes for the empty net now 10 yep. 15 years ago i always you, said that shoot it that always <laughs> made sense to me as a little kid shoot it because you win 
If it goes if in, you did that and it didn't go in. You couldn't even look towards the bench because the, the, the daggers you would be getting from your teammates and the coaching staff, forget about it. And now everybody goes for it. And we see, you know, we see all these empty net goals um, happening. So Igor Shosturkin went for it in a one goal game. The goalie. <laughs> He's Russian. You never know what those guys are going to do. Yeah. You never know what those guys are going to do. Still, so, Lobby loved it, though. I asked Lobby about it after. He loved it. He was all for it. We're talking Charlie McAvoy. We're talking Nemich. So, so we're talking defense. And and it kind of takes me to a point that, or or a topic that I want to pick your brain about here, Butchie. And, and it's the Calder Trophy. And, and my lead in talking about defense probably tips my hand as to why uh, and who I'm, who I've got on my mind here. But let me ask you a question right now. If if you're voting for the Calder Trophy today, Butchie, um, who is number one on your ballot? Who I've had a vote the last two years and all the big awards. It's been really cool. Didn't expect it, but uh, so that's been really fun, and I take it seriously. And uh, and and that's one of the ones about a private to really have to sit down because because you know obviously the default position is Bedard because he is obviously going to go down as the best player of the class, but that's not the award. What the award is about is uh, who's going to be the best player and who's going to be the, the, the lock hall of famer. And probably, you know, he's probably going to be a 600 goal score. That'd be my over unders sitting right here right now. I'd say 600, you know, and that's a big number. Um, um, so, but you know, so I'd have to look at, obviously you're talking about Brock Faber and what he's done, what he's meant. 25 Oh five a night, 33 points. I, he might've had, I, I, I didn't look today. I, this is something we talked about on daily face off live yesterday with Frank Saravalli 2505 playing against the other team's best players. He's got an even rating. He's got a team surging towards the playoffs, although they had a bad loss last night. Yeah. And he's got 33 points as a first year defenseman in the NHL. And, and to me with Bedard missing all that time, I think right now, I think Faber is slightly ahead of Bedard. Now, I think Bedard could catch him. I mean, look what he's already right. doing since he got back. Right. But you can't write. I don't think you can write Brock Faber off. I, I'm just so impressed with what we've seen from the first year NHL defenseman. Now, Even the playoffs last year. Yeah, that's fair to say he's slightly ahead right now. That would be fair to say because of the time missed by Bedard. And again, like, you know, for a while there, Bedard, his offense kind of did dip for a while as teams were focusing on him because two points matter for every team in the league. When you have more teams in, they're going to scout the Blackhawks and really try to beat them. Uh, maybe even pay more attention to them because those two points are so valuable for so many teams with all, a lot of teams in it. So, uh, so like you said, though, he's got 28 games to go or so 27, 28 games. So if he scorches and he gets his 16 goals and he gets, you know, 19 assists and he's 35 points in 28 games, you know, maybe he jumps back up in, in front. But I, I think it's reasonable to say that, that Faber is at least even and maybe just a, a bit ahead right now in this. Obviously, it's a full 82, but that, that's reasonable for sure for, for the numbers you said as a defenseman in this league. When it comes down to it, though, can they really not give it to Bedard if it's like almost that even? <coughs> I mean, I feel like just for the NHL, like well, they're going to have to well, it's not a people PR award and pe people like me vote, you know, pe uh, media people vote on it. And um, and so it's going to become what they think. And a lot of them take it very seriously. They do use numbers. And and they do try to make it who deserves it, not a not a PR thing. And uh, in fact, I think that sometimes <coughs> hurts people like Connor McDavid, but, but, uh, Connor McDavid, who wins it every year. Mm. Sometimes he gets overshadowed uh, by people who do have one have do one particular thing really well or whatever. And these last two years, I voted for McDavid both times because I'm not going to be with that guy who you know 
10 years from now, you look back and say, how didn't that guy win the MVP with those numbers? Well, people were kind of tired of voting for him. They wanted to see somebody else win, and, and that's not what the award is. So, yeah, in the end, I know what you mean, Johnny, because to have him at the award ceremony with that picture, the league yeah. would like that. There's no doubt right? about it. Yeah, like, yeah, but yeah. People, people who vote for it don't think that way. Yeah. I, also, I Actually, Johnny, I said that to Frank yesterday. I said – I, even though I think favors ahead right now, I think right now Bedard would still win because of the name yeah. recognition. And Frank got, you know, he disagreed with me, very strongly disagreed <laughs> with that sentiment. Um, I assume he is one of the people that votes as well. Um, and he he strongly disagreed with that sentiment. And and but it was a question that I proposed for the exact reasons that yeah. you two are talking about. Yeah, yeah no, 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 Frank's, Frank's got a big voice in that matter, and he's uh, he, he he takes that seriously, like you said, and he, I think he's setting the tone for the voters as well to say, this is not what this award is about. We don't work for the NHL. We're not a PR arm of the NHL. We all love hockey, but we're we're not a PR arm of the NHL, and we're going to vote who we think who deserves the award. Yeah. I mean, as hockey people, we know we but we believe in the meritocracy. The best players play more, you know, and so that should go into all walks of hockey, whether you're a fair journalist, whether you're a voter or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, no, Frank, Frank is the quarterback when it comes to that voting <laughs> And uh, with the uh, with the, uh, you know, with the writers and the association. So, no, yeah, that, he takes and, that seriously. And- in the chat right now, there's, there's people that are really weighing in on this topic and, and, you know, there's definitely the, you know, Faber is barely a positive plus minus anymore, which is what his largest selling point was. And I don't necessarily agree that that is the deciding factor because plus minus is, is somewhat of a team stat as well. And look, I do, I do think though, if, if the Minnesota wild make the playoffs and find their way into the playoffs, Again, it's going to be hard, and this is a comment them. from from somebody two two thousand and one. Lex, um, you know, it's going to be hard to vote against Faber because he's playing twenty five oh five a night. That's got to be up there with the highest ice time in the entire league. Um, you know, and, and just the responsibility that comes with that when you're when you're matching up against the you know the the McKinnon's line and McDavid's line, and you know that that's that's big time for a defenseman, yeah. Johnny. No, so. for sure. No doubt about it. And he got the power play point time for a while, too. So that ascended his argument. Like you said, if they make the playoffs, that will help. He needs a lot to go right for him. Um, he's a great one-on-one defender like McAvoy as a defenseman. He could play like a like a good basketball player. We can see that. People don't always see how good a one-on-one hockey player is. But he's one of those guys who can shut down a guy coming down the wing. So there's a lot there. But there is still time. And um, we'll find out. Bucci, I do want to shift gears a little bit because, you know, a couple of weeks ago you did host uh, the NHL all-star draft. You've interviewed so many incredible NHL players and personalities, but uh, I'm curious if there's one player in the league who maybe doesn't get as much recognition for who they are as a person, someone who's really enjoyable and fun to talk to that you've experienced that uh, should have more attention to them, you know, just as a really cool dude. Hmm. Boy, there's so much access nowadays with, you know, social media and the social teams that the uh, teams do themselves and the league does themselves. Um, And so I think it's hard to not notice everybody. Um, So I don't really think anybody's that too under the weeds right now in in terms of personality and, and things like that. There's always some blind spots, I guess, some guys you don't see or you discover late, but Overall, we do an amazing job. Uh, the players can do it themselves. Like I said, the social teams of each individual teams 
do a great job uh, with these mechanisms. All the, the things we see in the Jumbotron, uh, where they ask these guys questions, a series of questions, a montage of players. I think the NHL does a, a phenomenal job of, of creating that intimate atmosphere for teams to get to know players, get to know their personalities. And, hey, there's some late bloomers, that's for sure. But obviously, you know, people like David Pasternak, who are just just such naturals and such, such a likability. Um, I guess you keep searching for those guys and keep trying to coach them up a little bit. But right now, no one really comes to mind as being, you know, in the weeds. Okay, maybe I can just shift it and say uh, at that all-star draft, who did you hang out with most or, or have fun with most that specific night? Yeah, that, Probably I mean, me. that, that Yeah, all, of course. <laughs> that sushi, was a good dinner. The sushi was amazing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just I guess, you know, that th- everyone was really engaged that draft night. That's what I was really happy about. Now, when I would go over from podium to podium and look, um, you know, Connor McDavid in the eye and Nathan McKinnon in the eye. And they were there, like they were really present and they were humble and they were, I think really uh, happy to be a part of it. They really did give themselves as much as they could. Leon Dreisaitl, I'll ask you to go back to your original question. Leon's got a lot of game. He's snarky. He's angry. He's, uh, he's funny. So Dreisaitl, he could be an interesting guy to watch going forward. If, you know, he's one year left on his deal next year. I got to think he, you know, and I assume Edmonton's going to go and offer him an eight-year extension. And if he says no, that means I might want to go somewhere else. Um, and that would be interesting to see if he ends up in a big market in the U.S., a Chicago, a New York, um, something like that. And if his he could really break through Ford as a personality, someone who's uh, sneaky, funny, and could be really, really maybe elevate himself that way. But all the players were awesome there. Um, really enjoyed it. Get to know them and and. And so it, it was a good weekend, and, and I really do yeah. think the league is blessed. Well, Butchie, we got a couple of good good comments in the chat. I want to read to you one of our our most avid listeners to all the daily faceoff platforms, Jeremiah, who who we didn't see the last couple of days, and we were worried about him. Um, he's in my, he's in Miami. He said he's, he's in Miami. I know. He, right and he was traveling. He lives in Alaska, so he's up at four a.m. watching the show, listening to the show, and he said. Colby, just tell Butchie he's my hero for the Barry Melrose stuff and for keeping hockey alive at ESPN with Linda Levy and Barry. And, you know, I, I this isn't the last thing I want to talk about today because I do want to get into the, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets situation because I think you've got some pretty interesting points to make on that. But I do want to talk about Barry and the Melrose T-shirts um, and, and, you know, where the money's going for that and, and just how much Barry has meant to all of us, but you personally, because I've I've got to sit, you know, in the back seat and watch it over the last six years, and it's been honestly one of the greatest joys for me in in hockey and broadcasting. Yeah, that's, a, that's such a great image right there. You always, you know, I always said you don't you don't use his eyes or nose or ears, yet you know it's Barry Melrose. That's when you're an icon. <laughs> and so, uh, no, yeah, I mean, I started working with Barry in you know 1998. And, you know, we back in the NHL tonight days and then we started doing college hockey about 2006. So that's been about, you know, 17, 18 years doing regionals in our first Frozen Four in 2013. And then you came along as well, Colby. And it was always this great Frozen Four dinners for the for us to go out with our team. And and so, yeah, so it's just sad and heartbreaking that he can no longer do it. He was such a witty guy with an amazing fast brain and of all things to get his Parkinson. So just wanted to do something. And so we came up with these T-shirts that people are now starting to get and tweet out, which I appreciate. And 
Um, you know, I've kind of, I knew it would be, it'd be such a surge of t-shirts. I kind of outsourced it. Usually I have stuff come to my house, put it in my attic and mail it myself. I knew this would be too much. And sure enough, there's, you know, like where I think we're up to like $20,000 already that they saved that bought of and sales that they've sold. And going forward, I'm, I got some ball markers coming, some poker chip ball markers with that image. They should arrive next week. I think I'm going to, I'll take over the t-shirt now. I think as the original surge ends, I'll, I think I'm going to make some white t-shirts for the summer. And so I just want to kind of keep it going. My goal is just to do it all year. And then at the end of the year, create, you know, present a check or a, a amount of money wire money to the Michael J. Fox Foundation, who's also obviously with Parkinson's, a fellow Canadian, one of the guys I had, I was able to get someone to, you know, to reach out to Michael and he was able to call Barry two days after he told me of his diagnosis uh, a couple of years ago. So yeah, that's just the idea. Just not to forget him, keep him out there. Not that he cares. He doesn't have that kind of ego. He doesn't really have that kind. He's not that kind of guy. He just wants to, you know, be around hockey people and have fun. And that's yeah. why we were, tra- that's why we were attracted to him because of that. Yeah. Because of that. He's, I've, I've just never seen a guy who, who is willing to give his time so generously to every human being who walks up to him <laughs> on the street. And, um, he, he's, he's the best. He really is. I mean, but just a farm you know, boy. He's just a farm boy from Saskatchewan. <laughs> so I mean, which every day he woke up, he knew he's the luckiest guy in the world. They got, got the coach Wayne Gretzky oh. got to be on TV for, you know, for 25. And 25, those guys 25. love him. I mean, you, you ask Wayne about him. You ask Tony Granado about him. Like you ask a lot of these legends about him and their faces light up with excitement because they can't wait to talk about Barry. And I think that that is, um, that, that is one of the true tell signs. So assist Melrose.com is where you can buy the shirts. Um, and keep an eye on on when they're restocked, and then they'll move over to butchiot.com at a certain point. Thank you. Um, so one of, one of my favorite things to talk about is is Barry. So the last thing I got for you, Butchie, is the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we we on this show we like to talk about how great their fan base is, and how this is a place that players want to go and play, and how the fans of Columbus deserve a management team and a coaching staff. That's going to put a clear plan in place and direct this franchise to being relevant. And, and, and look right now, they're kind of a joke. They really are. What they've become is a punchline and a disappointment. The Babcock thing, the way they're managing their young players, it does not make sense to me at all. Now you said something on social media about uh, Ken Holland, a guy who you, you know, quite well. Um, and, and I just want to kind of ask you, you know, what, what do they need to do? Because it's these fans of Columbus deserve more. Well, they've tried, let's face it. They have definitely tried. Um, you know, when the Johnny Gaudreau thing happened, looking back, it's probably maybe not the best thing for team building, but how do you say no to a guy who just had a hundred points? We just talked about, it. we began this discussion with 100 point scores and how difficult that is. And so you can see why it's ah, that's how do you say no to that? But it probably in the, where they were, where they were going, looking back, probably not the best thing for either person, probably. And I don't know if that's going to be rectified this summer. Uh, if they can figure out a way, Johnny goes to a winning team or maybe he's wants to, to wait it out. And maybe they want to have him there. We'll see. But so they've tried, no doubt about it. They've been aggressive. Um, it's the fastest growing city in Ohio still. It's really becoming a big league city. Um, they're still just the only big thing in town, although obviously Ohio State football is as big as an NFL team practically. Um, so and they and they still have that place pretty much all to themselves. So uh, what they need, obviously, first is now a change. They need a restart. They need to to 
to start over again with fresh faces. And like I said, they have tried and they have some good stuff in the guts of the organization. You know, they have a, a name like Rick Nash and a reputation. Chris Clark, former NHL player, is a guy there in, in the weeds. Former teammate really- of mine. I love playing with Clarky. Chris is just one of those salt of the earth guys that could be a GM one day. And he's right there helping, you know, with 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 the monsters and he's and he's in that organization. So yeah, I just think someone like you know Kenny Holland, and he wouldn't be a day-to-day GM anymore. Just a guy what kind of what Jim Rutherford did in Vancouver. Let's just get a guy who's seen it all, done it all. They're both goalies they both play in the nhl rutherford more than holland kenny began as a scout then the head of scouting for detroit he was around scotty bowman and team building we saw what bowman did with the st louis blues when they became an expansion team they're going to the finals every year they were the best of these expansion teams when all the expansion teams were in one conference for the first couple of years and when you won that you played the nhl and you lost so the bruins and the canadians and things like that uh but then he went obviously went to montreal and then so scotty bowman knows how to build teams he knows how to direct teams and kenny was there for all of that too and so he has a huge amount of reputation around the league with other gms they kind of look up to him and so just to bring him in to kind of look at the organization and figure out, you know, figure out the offices, figure out how, how we what, how we doing this, how we doing that. And then he can have one of these young GMs, whether it's a Darch or whether it's, uh, you know, Sean Horkoff or, or whether it's a Greeley. There's all kinds of great Steve names. Greeley, yeah, great name. Yeah, he was, you know, he, he was in the, up for the Penguins job before Kyle Dubas sailed, sailed in on his nine-year contract or seven-year contract plane. <laughs> so, uh, so there's all kinds of guys like that. I hope he's got a lot of guarantees on that contract exactly so yeah no I, I just think someone like kenny was just be a guy that can come in and he's just a grinder too he's a hockey grinder and um something like that for that organization the owner that's the thing the owner lets the guys do their things that could be good that can be bad he's not really involved but he's very supportive and he's kind of quiet so um it's going to be uh and so maybe stuff got away from him a little bit so it, it's tough but like i say john davidson certainly has been in hockey for a million years he knows everybody um i'm surprised that you know he's part of the gm process again quite frankly um but again maybe they say hey if, if i was going to hire a, a, a you know one of these job companies who goes find a search firm he'd probably be a pretty good guy to have because he can get to everybody so but in terms of who makes that decision in the end who's going to make that decision to hire gm is it going to still be jd so and um so that's the thing so that would take any that's why kind of getting that out there with holland and and some name like that what jim rutherford did in vancouver then um as a you know president or whatever title i don't think kenny cares about a title i don't think most people don't care about a title but some some teams have presidents some teams have vps you know pat verbeek does both in anaheim they don't have a hockey president they have a business president uh where neely is a you know is president in boston kind of sets the tone with his personality and 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 okay what are we doing here uh, in terms of making it work to, to make that machine continually be consistent. And that's what they need in Columbus right now. But they got a lot of good stuff. But this is a pretty important time. How do we bring it together and, uh, and going forward and have really one unified voice of team building? Here's what we need uh, in this organization to be a good hockey team and, uh, and, and make sense on the ice going forward. And it's a really attractive job to get because it can't get much worse for them right now. And they have so much young talent in the organization already. Oh, absolutely. It's only going to be a positive, right? So I got to imagine that there's everyone, uh, you know, hounding for that job right now. It's going to be, you know, quite the turnaround in Columbus too. We've seen what it's like when they're successful, like Kobe said before, but uh, Bucci, I have one more for you. And uh, I think we talked about it at dinner a little bit, but you know, as a fan, the frozen frenzy day was one of my favorite days of the year. Um, You know, I think you did an incredible job with it. 
I'm curious if there's more conversations about it happening again at all this season or maybe where it could possibly be in the future if it's going to be something that continues in the NHL. Yeah, I think there were some, I heard some murmurs around our offices that they were going to do it, do it again later in the year. Um, on one of those days where there's at least, you know, 13, 14, 15 games. I'm not sure if there's another day where everyone plays again. I think I thought it was just two. I think we're done with that. But there could certainly there could be a game with 13 or 14 teams or games going on. That would certainly be enough. So, yeah, that was a great day for hockey this year. It's very memorable. It's everywhere I go. It happened again in Seattle. Someone came up to me and said, man, I love that frozen frenzy. You know, that was now four months ago. <laughs> it was a little mm-hmm. while ago, but that's the impact it made. And, and when you can make an impact in, in the media world, because there's so much of it now, um, then you've done something. And, you know, it was really cool. It was great to be a part of it. Whether we, like you mentioned, can we do it once a month? Can we really make this a thing and really and really brand it and sell it? and help the league and, and to give it some juice uh, on, a, on a more consistent basis or do it more often, um, we'll see going forward. But I think there's a window there for sure if you can sell it and it makes economic sense for these networks. Well, I feel like also once NFL season ends, if you schedule games like that on Sundays, you know, I feel like, right, that's the, the best. Staggered I mean, times. I think the staggered times were brilliant. And, yeah. and that's always have the thing that, that frustrates me the most during – the regular season is, is, you know, you, you're every game is in intermission at the same time. So if you watch the first period of one game, I wish they could, even if they did like it in eight minute increments, just so you mm-hmm. at least once game, the game that starts the earliest goes to first intermission, you can catch the last five or seven minutes of another game and then roll that along throughout the night. And that was my favorite part of it. And, and for, for those of you who aren't sure exactly what we're talking about, um, Butchie hosted the Frozen Fet Frenzy at ESPN. Every team played. The game times were staggered. They moved from game to game. They showed the goals, the power plays, the big plays. It, it was a whole day of hockey, and it was incredible. Just to, to refresh people's memories, Johnny, of, of you know, for our listeners. Thank you for that. Yes. Yeah, for eight sure. hours of commercial free hockey. It seems pretty easy, just even like you said, Colby, even if you played at 735, 736, 738, 740, 745 on those nights where we have eight 730 games or eight seven o'clock games. Obviously, the league and the owners don't see value in that yet um, because they want to they want the best time for their season ticket base and their their window of, of, of attendance. I get that. But hopefully over time, they'll see the value in that. And if that can create a mechanism on it, not again, you can't do it with three games. It's tough with mm-hmm. five games. But anytime you have double digit games, you could do some sort of frenzy, like you said. And I don't know. That's a good point, Johnny, in terms of like, do we do we stack Sundays once football is over? And do we try that from one o'clock right up until seven? Um, is Saturday better because it's not a school night or a work night? Um, it, it's an interesting concept to think. And I'm, I'm, I've always been about thinking out of the box like that and trying things, whether whether it's not even shifting the whole season and make it a summer sport. Like there's all kinds of things you can really think about. And that's the thing. Football is such a mammoth eater of content. Yeah. You want to try to avoid the big monster whenever you can yeah. um, as you run your business, as you have to. Because let's face it, hockey is an eight-month business. So you're going to hit football at some point from training camp to when the or from the opening night to when the cup goes in the air is eight months. We're only halfway through right now, so it's yeah. eight months to to do that. And if you're at camp, it's nine months. So uh, so you're gonna hit football at some point. It's just you know when do you want to hit it. Well, we're but gonna finish with, too, with a co- we're gonna finish uh, with a college hockey question. I will more point. Go ahead. Just about okay. that because that's the thing with NFL Red Zone is that it owns the day. 
Like everyone looks forward to Sunday because the NFL owns that day where if like there is a schedule in advance for the frozen frenzy where there is, you know, no other day like that. My, our producers give me shit that I'm an ideas guy, but I feel like Butch is an ideas guy. Butch is an ideas guy too, though. No, Butch is a good ideas guy. I'm not an executor, but I'm an ideas guy. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like that's what makes NFL red zone so great is because they own that day. So if there was like a schedule in advance, like here's a frozen frenzy on this Sunday after NFL season's over or this Tuesday, you know, it's just like, that's a way to own the day. And I think I that's agree. what made I it. Agree. That, that, that's, again, that's a good take. I like the take quality take. All right. I won't right. say another so, word while you're on here. As we, as we, as we let you go here, Butchie, the last comment in the chat that I want to hit you with from Neil Foddy, Butchie, do you think, who do you think will make the frozen four? And does Wisconsin have a chance this season? Yeah, they have the coach, the defense, the goalie, certainly to do it. Um, tournament hockey to go to a, to a different place and win those two games um, over three days in front of sometimes not a big crowd where you have to generate your own intensity. And um, there's, there's no doubt they can. Um, it's going to be, you know, it's always hard to pick the four um, for sure. I think BU or BC will probably be there. One of them will probably be there. It'd be nice if both of them were because they're star studded. There's former any there's future NHL players on there. Going back to what, you know, Johnny talked about people know these guys and it's going to help the draft. It's going to help us to have guys who are going to be in the league next year. So having a BU BC and so why not? Let's have both of them making it. And then, you know, out West, I think Wisconsin is certainly right there because again, they have that defensive mentality where they'll beat the offensive run and gun teams. And Denver's having a hard time keeping the puck out of the net. They have an amazing offense situation, but so if they can figure it out, they're one of those teams, but I'm not sure. I think North Dakota has a bit of a destiny to them. They don't have the high-end NHL talent they've had in the past, but I think there's something about their yeah. destiny. I think North Dakota makes it. And then Me just too. that yeah, Jackson just, Blake. Jackson Blake yeah. is legit. He can, he can carry his team. He is. And um, so so I kind of like that. They're, they're almost like a blue collar North Dakota team right now, which probably yeah. almost suits them better. Um, a lot of teams, it probably suits them better. And so, yeah, we, we'll give those three those three legendary programs. And then one surprising like, like that's, let's say the Badgers, like, I think Wisconsin's yeah. a reasonable team to take. Look, You never count out Mike Hastings in, in those nope. types of environments where you can lock it down in the neutral zone and make it miserable on a bunch of 18 year old star forwards. Yeah, but Mich- it'll be them or Michigan State. Yeah, I would. Michigan State. It's a great renaissance. What a program it was back in the day. They have Trey Augustine, the future Red Wing goalie in that. He's unbelievable. Uh, they're well coached. And so it, it'll probably be the Michigan State. Wisconsin, one of those two. And I, right now, he'd probably give a slight edge to Michigan State. But again, yeah, I, there's something not. about a, a Mike Hastings team in the tournament. He knows how to do it. Michigan State's on fire right now. They are. They're, they're loaded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all right, Butchie. Uh, well, look, yeah. we, we could probably do this with you for three straight hours. And, and we've probably taken way more time than I <laughs> asked you for. So we appreciate it. Then you have to pay me. It's, well, listen, first dinner, <laughs> first dinner in Federal Hill on me. <laughs> Sounds on good, me, buddy. Can't wait on for me. that. We'll be watching you on ESPN. What you said tomorrow, you got two yeah. games tomorrow, right? So I think we have a Capital Lightning game on ESPN and then a Kings game. And then my next game I'm doing is in Columbus, actually, to go do a, a Blue Jacket game against the Hurricanes on the 29th, the extra day of the year this year. It's it's a leap year, so we have a game yeah. on the 29th. So I'll be in Columbus there seeing what's going on and uh, – and seeing what's up then, maybe they have a, a some, some announcements by then. We'll see. It'd be very interesting to be around there. And then, uh, yeah, and then the, the, the stretch drive is here. March is here. Got a couple games. Got a Panther Lightning game in Florida. Then I'll be, I'll be yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. That's like a six o'clock ESPN game. One of those Saturday games. 
um, we talked about. And then, of course, you and me will be in uh, Providence for the regional. I'm looking forward to that. And then a couple. It's just amazing. I, I go to the Columbus game. I come back. It's March. And then suddenly after we after we do Providence, it's going to be April. And then, bam, it's, you know, Frozen Four, Stanley Cup playoffs. March and April are the two best hockey months. I love them. Yes. So th- this is it. This is like to me, this is New Year's Day. And now we're getting going. This is the good stuff for the next four mm-hmm. months. Oh, yeah. We got to well, ramp you, it you up. Can- you can hear the excitement. That's why you're you're the hockey guy, Butchie, because you truly love the sport. So thank you. Good seeing your face, bud. Sure, we'll talk. And uh, thanks Cody for coming Johnson. on. Go, go, go see Cody Johnson in concert. He's a good up. He's a country music guy who's got tons of energy. And if you're looking for something to do, good date night. Go to a Cody Johnson concert. He's like right. a Gar- he's like a Garth. You hear Garth that, Johnny? Good date energy. night. Johnny's go, always John. looking for good date nights. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Butchie. All right, Butchie, you're the best. Peace. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. I love that. He's the best. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, where do we even go from here? Uh, we covered a lot there, but there's still a lot to talk about. I feel like just going into tonight, there's five games. Do you want to talk about those games tonight or anything I, you else? You know what? I kind of want to do a little recap on yesterday's games because I thought yeah. there were some impactful games, and we'll leave we'll leave the games for tonight. We can we can check in on that tomorrow. We appreciate all the activity in the chat too. It, it definitely helps and we can get your guys questions and, and fire them off. But let's, let's talk a little New York Rangers and, and Dallas stars last night, because you and I talked on the show, we had a little debate over starting goaltending and uh, I, you just I just want to rub it in. You were right. <laughs> well, listen, it's why you have Igor Shesterkin to play a game mm-hmm. like that. And, and Scott Wedgwood was, was great for Dallas, but not as great as Igor was last night, that might've been one of his best showings of the year. And, and look, the Rangers were good last night. They, they look all the bit of the team. We saw the first quarter of the season right now. Yeah. I mean, that was something that they've been doing all year was they were defending really well in the beginning of the year when they had that six game win streak. And they had that, I believe like 12 game stretch or 11 game stretch of a point streak. And there was no point last night where it felt like the game was slipping away. Even in the third period, they had to defend a lot. But with yeah, how well, you always have a was, push from the other team, yeah, that's normal. They but weathered it. Though. Was playing, dude, that save on Tyler Sagan. Are you kidding me? That this was. Right here, we're gonna get another look right now. Yeah. I mean, like, that play by Miro Hayskin, and he's such a difference maker. He he. We don't talk about Hayskin with the elites. He's elite. Like if if, if he, I don't know. I think market, I think we kind of do. I disagree with you. We we never mention him in the same breath as the top couple of defensemen in the NHL. And he's honestly after Makar, um, he's he's right there. He really is. He's he because he's not just all offense, Hayskinen. I I mm. I've loved Hayskinen from you know, I did some Dallas Stars playoff games back in the day on Westwood one, and I just remember being like, This guy is different than everybody else in this playoff series. But look, this was big boy hockey. Um, it, it really was. And, and you love seeing those matchups. I've said it, you know, these two teams could see each other at the end of the playoffs. They, they really could with their goaltending. If Ottinger plays big time and Igor plays big time, there's no reason why it wouldn't be these two. Frank Saravalli has been riding on the Dallas train since the preseason and he has not wavered. Um, so that was a great game last night, Johnny. And, and um, the other game that, that was really good was that Colorado uh, Vancouver game. And, and, you know, I watched that game, uh, at least the first half of that game. And, and man, that was fast. Like you could feel the speed through the TV of those two teams. I mean, they have some players who can absolutely gallop between those two rosters. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Cause I was at the Ranger game and I got home like at like 11 o'clock, but 
just your takeaway from watching those two teams go at it. Do you think Vancouver can possibly win four out of seven games against a team? Not like against Colorado. Colorado. No, That's not if you're not thing. if Georgiev has it has his plays plays at an A level. He doesn't need to be A plus. But if Georgiev mm-hmm. plays at an A level, when when you look at, you know, I mean, I'm watching Colorado's power play. It's like a video game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So and, and the way Kale patrols the blue line and goes lateral east west, it's and then is able to then go north south on his toes. Like even though you know he can do it, when you see him do it, you're just like, what? It's like insane. he honestly, he to me showed the difference, and and not that there was a question mark, but like he showed the difference between him and Quinn Hughes last night. He really did, and and um. You know, I, I just Colorado uh, seems to me like a team that can actually flip a switch, which not many teams in the NHL can do. Tampa was able to do that. And I think still has a little of that in them. Uh-huh. But Colorado can flip a switch in a big game. And, um, you know, that that was that was big boy hockey. And, and you know, two teams that I think could make little runs. But I, I'm with you. I still don't trust. Um, the Vancouver Canucks, I think they have to learn how to win probably by losing this year in the playoffs. Um, so that was a great game. Uh, did you see the play Quinton Byfield had in the LA Columbus game? Like, I know that was a look, LA still clinging. They're still hanging on, you know, they're not too far behind Van, uh, Edmonton, but I mean, that was sick. I mean, pulls it through Wierenski, who's, a, who's an elite defenseman. And then is able to, you know, repossess the puck and, you know, get it to his backhand and get it up a little bit. I mean, that's some highlight real shit right there, Johnny. That looked like you on MetLife site. <laughs> I wasn't dangling anybody at MetLife, but Quentin Byfield's had a hell of a year, huh? He's really stepped it up this year. He's almost at 20 goals. I think he has uh, 18. I think that was his 18th goal last night. He's plus 18 on the year. I mean, he's been a guy who... You know, he was in that conversation with Alexi Lafreniere. People weren't sure about him. He was the second overall pick. Yeah, it um, took a little bit know. longer to get going. Yeah, he he had that that bus narrative around him for a bit, but he's he's really going right now, and LA needs him to get going too. Yeah. You well, know, PLD I think had two goals two, last night. Two right? goals last night. A guy I I've been harsh on. I've said. I mean, he, he did it against Columbus. I like, know, but not, still, yeah. listen. Agreed. Point night. So here comes PLD. But like, exactly. if they're gonna. If they're going to stay in the playoffs, and and again, he's playing his former team in that game, so there's a little more juice, a little revenge there. But if if LA is going to get their shit together, PLD is going to have to play a role in it, and, and you know, so is Kopitar and and some of the other guys that have just been lackluster for the last twelve weeks, probably of the season, maybe even a little bit longer. So it, it was. It was a good it was a good night last night. Your Ottawa Senators, they almost they almost got a win. They did get a point. Um no, they, didn't. Play. No. they got a no. point. They lost in overtime, didn't they? It was okay. I, thought they I, thought, I thought they lost in overtime. Oh, yeah, right, you're right, you're right. Um, you're right. A little right. comeback. They they did have a little comeback. Here's a question I have for you. And I know we're 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 not, you know, far from the end of the show. You think Ottawa should trade Claude Giroux if they could get a, a nice return for him? Because he's still a pretty useful player out there. Yeah, why would they not? I mean, I I think it makes I'm gonna call it, <laughs> it makes total sense for them to trade him, right? There's building toward a future still. They're not a team that's, you know. Vic, can you window. can you look up on Cap Friendly for us and see if uh he has I assume he has no move, no trade protection. I would assume he got that. 
Um, you know, he is from the Ottawa area. He, he, I do believe, I don't know he if he went, would want to leave. Well, but if he has no move, no trade, then it's completely up to him. And, you know, he has no move. So, um, and he's got one more year after next year at six and a half million dollars. So mil. yeah. he would have to sign off on it. Um, again, he, he, I don't know if he wants to move again, but I do know he probably does want a chance to win a Stanley cup. I mean, this guy's had a a great career with not a lot of playoff success, especially the latter part of his career early on. He had a run with the flyers to the cup since then. It's, it's been a lot of non-playoff hockey for, for Claude Giroux. I personally love Claude Giroux. I got to know wow. him a little bit in Philadelphia. Um, you know, watched him kind of turn into a family guy and a dad and a husband and all these things from kind of a distance covering the team, uh, running into him. I remember he went to, Jimmy Hayes's um, wake services and all the gatherings only because his teammate was Kevin. He didn't even know Jimmy. And I thought that that was such a meaningful thing for Claude Giroux to do. It just shows you that he is a good leader and he does understand how to lead other players. Mm. I think he's gotten a bad rap. People have said he's not a good leader in Philadelphia. I disagree. I think the teams that that. I think the team, well, that was, that was something they talked about in Philadelphia. I just don't think that that he ever had a, a, a really great team around him. So, um, yeah, it was a good night last night. I, I enjoyed the NHL games last night. I love those big boy matchups. Um, I, I really do. So as we're on our way out here, Johnny, what, what would you say um, the games for tonight that, that you're kind of dialed in on? Because I know there's one that I definitely will have my eyes on. Well, I know it's not the 10 o'clock game because you'll be sound asleep, but that's the game <laughs> I'll be watching. The, the late night TNT game. Between two big boy teams, like you just mentioned, the Edmonton Oilers and the Boston Bruins. Boston's been slipping a bit. You know, as of late, they haven't been as consistent. Uh, similar to Edmonton, too, honestly. They haven't been yeah, as dominant listen, as they were. I, I've been loving Edmonton for a while, but I, listen, I was I was texting with the Oilers Nation guys yesterday, and, and I said, I know they've won the last two games, but I haven't loved how they've won. They, they look back to riverboat gambling hockey, which is not how they're going to have success. Um, I, I actually am going to do my best to stay up tonight and, and, and watch that Boston and Edmonton game. But the other game that I think Johnny deserves a little bit of attention is, is Toronto, Arizona. You've got, um, yeah. Austin Matthews looking for his 50th goal at home in, at in home. Arizona. You've got, he's going to get it. Right? He's going to get it. You've got Matthew Nyes back in Arizona. Arizona's on a terrible slide right now terrible. Um, they're probably getting ready to sell everyone, everyone, their own nine and one. I keep hearing Dumba's going somewhere. Um, Jordan Schmaltz has been texting that and he seems to be right. I mean, honestly, I, you can laugh, but like Jordan Schmaltz is, is generally on the money with what he's talking about when he hears about a guy, he really mm-hmm. is. So I don't know where he gets his sources, but I think the that's another thing to keep an eye on. Um, and then, Philly and Chicago. I mean, the Flyers need a win. They need to continue to not string losses together. And Chicago, let's see, hasn't won a road game since November 9th in Tampa. 22 straight road losses. Um, Kevin Korchinski got benched the other night in in his game, you know, in the third period. Uh, I think one of the bright, well, two bright spots for the Chicago Blackhawks. You've got Peter Morazic playing pretty good hockey. He really is. And Connor Bedard, every time he touches the puck, you're, you're excited. It'll be interesting to see Bedard against a Flyers team that, that plays in your face, that, that defends pretty hard. That's pretty physical. So um, 
some some good hockey to watch tonight for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. But again, you know, the the one for me is that late night game. Uh, TNT. I'll also. only see the first half. I will not make it yeah. through that whole game. I'll I'll catch it the next morning. On on. Don't worry. Uh, I'll text on, you and keep you up. No, no, do not disturbs going on, buddy. I'm glad you're feeling better today. By the way, you seem bit. like you have a lot more energy. Are you doing the late night game because you have dinner plans tonight or something like that? <laughs> is there? Is there? No, it, it okay. could be a potential date night. I haven't confirmed yet, but we'll see. Oh we'll, see. well, we know that she doesn't text back very often. So that I'll hit the steam again. I'll I'll take a couple hot showers, try to get myself feeling better. But uh, but we'll see what's going on. Wednesday nights are good because it's it's light hockey nights. You know, it's okay. All right. Well, good. well, look, good show today, Johnny Butchie's a great guest. I think I'm gonna have to talk to him about you know uh, being a regular. Honestly, I think he'd be a great guy if one of us can't do the show to to fill in. Um, he thinks about the game differently and, and I like that. And I like I doing games with them because he makes me laugh when we call games together because he says, you know, he, he has great terminology. He's not afraid to self-deprecate. He's just funny. And so I laugh a lot when we do games together, when he throws out the excuse my bellicosity or, or <laughs> other things that he'll throw out there always kind of cracks me up. So uh, don't forget assistmelrose.com. Get your Barry Melrose t-shirts. Money goes to Parkinson's research. Um, and I think that's it for today, Johnny. Any final word? I'm still waiting on my shirt. I ordered it like a couple weeks ago. It hasn't come yet. I just got mine. I want to say about four or five days ago. Um, right. so it did come into my mailbox. It it wasn't like a package delivery. It was like they mm-hmm. slid it. They They actually got it in my mailbox, which threw me off a little. So um, make sure you check your mailbox and just in case. I know you can be a little immature with with those types of grown up things. Well, um, also you'll laugh at me because I have you know you give me shit because I have four roommates. I don't even have the mail key. <laughs> like they, they always get the mail. Okay, so no. point. I'll proven. let them. I'll let them know. Maybe uh, we should have the mail sent to Long Island and let Karen keep an eye on that for you. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But uh, great show today. Thanks to Butchergas again. Thanks to our producer Vic. Thank you to everyone in the chat. We know you guys were super active today. And uh, tomorrow, just gonna be Colby and I. So we'll get more involved in the chat with questions and whatnot. Um, hope you all have a. And great here's day. the thing. Let yes. let us know. <laughs> get in the chat right off the top. And if there are things you guys want to talk about and hear about, let us know because, you know, we go into every show with an idea of what we want to talk about and we kind of have a pre-show meeting, but we can always venture if, if you guys have strong opinions about things um, or, or want to hear about certain topics or want Johnny to get dunked on, whatever it may be. So, so let us know. We, we, we kind of, you know, we're, we do this so you guys can be entertained. And so we want to make sure that, that, you know, we're checking that box. So go ahead, Johnny. You can and so you can let your anger out on somebody, right? That's why we do it. That's why this whole show is, is this way. Uh, I can be a loving father after my daughter wakes up from her first nap is I have to take it all out on you. And you know, my golden retrievers laying between my feet and then my daughter's having her first nap of the day. So all, all's good at the Cohen residence, Johnny boy. We love that. We love that. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day.